I want to uh, just read a few more verses from 1 Corinthians uh, 12. <clears throat> we started by talking about the body, and in verse 27 it says this, Paul says this, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking all different kinds of tongues. And a bit before that, it talks about, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that in its parts should be equal. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So we're part of God's family. Now families, uh, fortunate. We, we have a family uh, around us, and it's, we're fortunate to uh, to be able to to live uh, fairly close to each other. Most of you know that we have a daughter in um, Haywards Heath, a son in Haywards Heath, uh, another son in Burgess Hill, and uh, grandchildren uh, in those uh, in the, with them as well. So our family is very, very close. Other families are more spread out uh, around the country. And indeed, some of you have probably got uh, family that uh, are in other countries abroad. And we're very fortunate to be able to see <clears throat> our family. We've just come back from a, a week in the Lake District with uh, our daughter, a son-in-law, and uh, two grandchildren. Uh, we've all got, um, <clears throat> many of us have got Skype to keep in touch with and FaceTime and all those sort of things which I don't totally understand. But it's not quite the same, is it, to actually Skype your son or daughter or your parents uh, in another country, uh, particularly when emergencies arise and circumstances that are unforeseen happen. And, you know, to be miles apart uh, must make one feel a bit helpless. What can I do? And, you know, I guess it is a bit like that when it comes to uh, our other family uh, that um, doesn't consist, uh, consist of just uh, two or three dozen people, but two or three hundred million people. And they're just the ones that are being persecuted to a greater or lesser extent. Richard um, put up on the uh, screen earlier on the, um, the map, which maybe we can put up again. Uh, and we've already mentioned about the, uh, the country of uh, uh, North Korea there. But there are many other countries where there is significant persecution. If you look at, uh, for instance, if you look at Saudi Arabia, that is one of the, the worst countries to live in if you're a Christian. We've heard all about women being out in driving their cars and protesting that women are not even allowed to drive cars. But you're certainly not allowed to worship the Lord Jesus uh, in Saudi Arabia. And of course, if you do change and become a Christian from being a Muslim, then you are liable uh, for uh, the death sentence. And then you look at other little places, the Maldive Islands there. Lovely places, but just a handful of Christians in the Maldives. And to be a Christian there is just something uh, very, very tough. tough. And then, of course, you've got Iraq and Iran. 
those places where um, there's been invasion from the West in, uh, in Iraq and uh, so often the, 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 um, the Western culture is, uh, is aligned and paralleled with being Christian. So there's a lot of perse- persecution uh, in those countries as well. Burma is another country where it's so tough to be a Christian. And um, the uh, persecution can vary from some of the places where it's not quite as difficult, where there is harassment, uh, where there is maybe kidnapping, where there is discrimination, but in many other countries, and we've already mentioned North Korea, where actually to be a Christian, uh, you're not only uh, going to be persecuted, but you could quite easily be put to death as well and become a martyr. So do we care as much about our spiritual brothers and sisters as we do about our physical brothers and sisters, our blood relations? Now, a number of surveys have been carried out, not just by Christian organizations, but by many research institutions as well. And many are saying that the persecution, particularly of Christians, has increased uh, enormously uh, in this past decade. And uh, even in the last year or two, when we've had this, um, this terrible expression, the Arab Spring, and uh, how the freedom is coming to man- many of these Arab countries, that there is going to be democracy. But, of course, it's democracy not as we know it. It's democracy uh, which is Islamic democracy. And so often in these countries, it's the Christian church that has been persecuted and has suffered immensely um, between because so often if you take for instance in Syria um, the the Christians generally do not want a change of regime they acknowledge the old regime is bad but the new regime is going to be even worse and these things are not actually um, published over the media these days you know the media is very very um, particular uh, about what it says, because some things are just not, um, well, they just don't like saying it, because it, it cuts against so much of what the government uh, would not want to be said. And the secular media, I often get very annoyed that the secular media filters out the, the information that, uh, that should come to us. And certainly in countries like Iraq and Syria, Egypt and uh, those countries where there has been unrest, it is the Christian church that has been decimated. In Syria, tens of thousands of Christians have left Syria and have relocated to countries like Jordan. And even that is not that great either. You remember just a a week or two back, there were those boats that um, capsized off the, the coast of Scilly. And um, many, many lives were lost. Uh, But what wasn't reported in the press was that 90% of those who were rescued were Christians. And uh, the insinuation there is that um, uh, those that were, were fleeing, they were fleeing persecution from countries like Ethiopia and Eritrea. They needed to be able to get away from their countries because... Of persecution, of course, that's not that's not um, published in our press. They're refugees, but they were Christians, often Christians, fleeing from persecution. 
So are we surprised that there is persecution? Jesus said, if they persecute me, they will persecute you as well. Even Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, he said, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. So even we ought to expect some opposition. And uh, we do get opposition uh, in this country. And we do get reports of people being arrested uh, because they've been preaching in the open air. And I think sometimes that there are people that go out of their way to, to, to test the system, to see whether we are free in this country. And sometimes I, I get concerned that um, I hear people on the radio coming across as Christians, very, very sort of bombastic and, and very hard. Um, and I think the, these people, you know, is that coming across as a, as a godly life? But what Paul is saying is that if anyone is wanting to live a godly life, we can expect persecution. And the reason is that we are seeking to live in a counter-cultural situation. It's not just a question of private morality, but it's often a question of a public act, and it's a spiritual battle too. We only have to read Ephesians 6 about the armor of God and realize that our battle is not just against flesh and blood, but our battle is against spiritual forces as well. And those people that are living in countries like North Korea and uh, Iraq and Iran, they're fighting against uh, spiritual forces in high places. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was martyred for his faith just towards the end of the, the Second World War, said this. He said, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. Jesus said that we should take up our cross daily and follow him. Literally, that means we have to take a risk. And many people across the world today are taking a risk. They know that, that they risk death. And often that death comes as a reality. So what about us? Are we prepared to stand as Christians? whatever the cost may be. At the moment, it might be just harassment. That end of the scale of persecution. But what happens when, when the screw tightens? I was challenged and have been challenged over the last uh, few weeks. I've been reading a book which Mike recommended to us as uh, house group leaders. It's a book by Nick Page called, uh, entitled Kingdom of Fools. And it it goes through the Acts of the Apostles and it, and it gives a bit of history about, about how the, the church grew in those days and how Paul went from city to city preaching and planting churches. And right at the end, it just gives a very brief summary of, of how the, the early church went about its witness and its testimony and how it was persecuted. And um, it, it's largely because that they were persecuted because they were going against the culture of the day and you know I appreciate that uh, maybe we don't have so much at the moment to stand against and I wonder you know whether we have got so used to being in a, in a culture where, where we don't have to uh, stand against what is wrong but you know increasingly we are living in a secular culture 
And uh, we need to be prepared to stand for the Lord Jesus. So how linked do we feel uh, with our brothers and sisters in other countries? How linked do we feel with our brothers and sisters in Syria and Egypt and the Central African Republic and India? How do we identify ourselves with them? Do we have any personal contacts? Do we have any interest? How concerned are we when one part suffers? Do we all feel suffer, suffering as well? Hebrews 13 says that we should remember those who are in prison as if we were fellow prisoners with them. And if we were being ill-treated in the same way that they are. There's a principle that's Christians. That's the principle we live by. That if one part suffers, we all suffer. We should remember those in prison as, we, as if we were there uh, as well. It's not an opt-out uh, in the Christian life. It's our responsibility. So briefly, in what ways can we support and in what ways can we have an impact? Paul asked the church um, in, in Ephesians 6 to pray for all the saints. Now, I, I think, is, all, is today All Saints Day? I think it probably is, actually. Um, but Paul in Ephesians is saying, right at the end of that bit about the armor of God, he, he's saying he wants us to pray for all the saints, particularly those in need. Val has already mentioned the prayer bulletin. I really encourage you to go and, and read that. It's not just a prayer bulletin, it's an information bulletin as well. But what should we pray? Most Christians, you know, do not, that, are, that are being persecuted do not ask for an easy life. They don't ask, will you pray for our freedom? Will you pray for our release? They pray that they will be, they, they ask for prayer that they will be faithful in and through the storm. They don't ask for us to pray that they will avoid the valley of the shadow of death. They ask that we pray that they will be given strength to go through it. So we need to pray for those who are being persecuted. And then we're encouraged to protest as well. We're encouraged to protest. Not out on the streets creating civil unrest but supporting agencies, open doors, Christian Solidarity Worldwide, Release International. And on the board you see here, there are just one or two posters that have been produced by those organizations. There's one there that has a, the strap line on it. For some Christians, cell group is every night of the week because they're in prison. They're in their own literal cells. I want to encourage you to sign the petition. These things do make a difference. We do get reports coming from Open Doors and Release International of people that have been released from prison because pressure has been brought to bear upon the governments who are keeping these people in prison. Pakistan is another situation where that has happened. And the third thing is we can provide. We can pray, we can protest, and we can provide. Romans 12:13 said we should share with God's people who are in need. And these things can take different forms. It can be financial, it can be material. It can even be just writing a letter 
to somebody who is in prison, who needs that encouragement. In order to be able to do that, we need to be informed as well. And I think today there's no excuse for not being informed about what is going on around the world. I know we get lots of news on our televisions and on our radio and in our newspapers, but you can only go on to websites like Open Doors and Christian Solidarity Worldwide and Release International, many other organizations, Bardwas Fund, and you will get information about what is going on around the world. You can have emails sent to you on a weekly basis which will highlight things and situations and people that need our prayers. And I just want to finish by, by, by drawing it to, to a conclusion. You know, um, one of the television programs that we, we've watched recently is a, a program called Long Lost Families. You, do, do, do you watch that, Long Lost Families? Some of you are nodding. And you know, often families have become uh, separated, sometimes for no for no reason or fault of their own. Maybe something happened at birth. Maybe there was a dispute that wasn't resolved. But, you know, to, to bring back reconciliation, to have that, that, that desire to not just to search, but, but to support um, somebody who you've not met for maybe many, many years. There, there starts with a, uh, just a, a real determination and a passion to, to trace that person down. And, you know... When you, when, you, when you see the results of, of, of that happening, it doesn't always work out. But the, when people meet perhaps for the, for the first time for 20, 30 years, there is an embrace and it's an emotional situation. And, you know, I just, I just want to finish by saying, you know, we need to embrace our brothers and sisters in prayer. You know, they're long-lost families. And we may never meet them physically, but we can embrace them in prayer. I want you to... To think about that, I want to encourage you uh, to do that.